This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin with a program first aired in 1950, the episode Skeleton Bay on Inner Sanctum. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Inner Sanctum Mysteries. of the mystic marvels of manifold murder. <laughs> this is your host. Extending a cordial invitation to step through the creaking door of the inner sanctum, where we probe deep into the dark and cavernous depths of men's souls to see what makes them kill. Mm-hmm. Our clinic here is the whole vast world of crime. And you who listen in may hear us dissect our characters at a safe distance. And unless your nerves are strung, you'd better take my advice and uh, keep your distance. <laughs> Why, Mr. Host, that's not the kind of advice to give folks. It sounds unfriendly. Well, what would you suggest, Mary? Well, give them some sort of friendly advice. Like pointing out to them the extra delight they'll get from a cheering cup of Lipton tea. Then go on to tell them why Lipton's is so downright delicious. Tell them that the reason is Lipton's brisk flavor. And don't forget to mention that brisk is the tea expert's own word for the spirited, full-bodied flavor of Lipton's. So refreshing and so zestful. Explain that Lipton's brisk flavor is never flat, but always lively and satisfying. And in closing, remind them to try Lipton's soon. Because in every cup of Lipton's, there's extra enjoyment. And now, that's the kind of advice you should give, folks. Well, Mary, you seem to have given it to them already. So we can go ahead and get launched on Skeleton Bay. That's the title of tonight's story. An original radio play by Emil Tepperman. It's about a lady novelist, a writer of mystery stories. It opens at a swanky hotel with private cabins situated on a storm-swept, rock-bound coast. The story itself is all about... Mm-hmm. You guessed it. Murder. Here's Betty Lou Gerson as Carol Winter, the lady novelist, who will give us a blow-by-blow description. I'll tell you first about the night I met Michael Barrett. It was in August at Skeleton Bay. I'd come to the hotel supposedly for a rest. That was what I kept telling myself. But in reality, I didn't know why I'd come here. Skeleton Bay. I'd seen the name Skeleton advertised Bay. months ago. Skeleton Bay. Since then, it kept hammering, Bay. hammering, hammering Skeleton at the inside Bay. of my brain. Skeleton Bay. Like the voice Skeleton of implacable things commanding. 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 Because I didn't like crowds, the hotel manager had given me a cabin near the beach all to myself. It was the middle of the night, and I couldn't sleep. The wind came in from the ocean, howling like a hungry beast across the shoals. And the pounding of the surf mingled with the angry, baffled growl of the sea. I sat at the window in the dark, staring out at the beach. I was restless, excited. It was then I saw the signal. It was just a winking little light a few yards away on the beach. Someone was blinking a flashlight on and off. On and off. I was able to make out the figure of a man in boots and a leather jacket. 
He was signaling toward the hotel. But to whom? I had the answer in a moment. A man moved past my window, going down toward the light. He had his collar turned up against the wind. His hat brim pulled low. But I knew who it was. Mr. Field. A small, furtive man who'd come up on the train with me. The two men met. Barely a stone's throw from my window. I could hardly see them huddled closely together. This was excitement. Mystery, intrigue. The stimulation I wanted and needed. I had to know what was going on. I threw on a raincoat, opened the cabin door. The wind swept my hair in a streamer and the spray stung my face as I hurried down the beach. My blood began to race. My heart to pound. For those two men were not engaged in any conference. They were locked in struggle. It was a deadly silent struggle with only a grunt now and then. I saw the flashing gleam of a knife. But I couldn't tell who had the weapon. The tall man in the leather jacket or the furtive Mr. Field. And then... Then I saw the blade plunge hole into the throat of the furtive Mr. Field. I felt a sudden surge of wild elation. This was murder. I had witnessed murder. The tall man let the body of Mr. Field slide down to the sand. Then he looked up and saw me. He stood there with a bloody knife in his hand and we looked at each other. Who are you? I'm Carola Winter. I have this cabin here, number five. You saw me kill him? Yes, I saw you. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to help you dispose of the body. He told me his name was Michael Barrett. He lived on the opposite side of the bay in the house high up on the cliff. It won't be so easy to get rid of the body. If I had the boat, I could take him out and drop him over, but it's too rough tonight. If there was some place to hide him for a day, I could come across in the boat tomorrow night. You can hide him in the closet in my cabin. Nobody will look there. Better lock the closet door. Yes, of course. You sure nobody will come snooping here? Nobody comes here but the maid. All right. I'll be back tomorrow night with a boat. Did you pick up the knife? Yeah. Got it in my pocket. Well, I guess that's all. Good night, Carola. Good night, Michael. All night I sat up alone with the locked closet door between me and the staring, sightless body of Mr. Field. At breakfast the next morning, they'd already discovered the disappearance And the maid says his bed wasn't slept in at all. Oh, like he could have committed suicide in the ocean. He was such a I hurried through my man. breakfast, listening to the gossip all around me. Now, in broad daylight, I could hardly believe the thing had really happened last night. I didn't know the hotel manager thinks it might be murder. What? I heard him phoning for the police. The police? I hadn't counted on that. Anything wrong, my dear? You look sick. I do feel a bit dizzy. I think I'll get some fresh air. Oh, poor dear. It must be quite a shock to her. She came up on the train with Mr. Field, you know. Out in the open air, I let the wind cool my fevered face as I hurried down toward the beach. It was only 9.30 in the morning. A whole day. A whole evening before Michael could come for the body. And the police would be around all day investigating, snooping. And all the time, Mr. Field would be sitting in my closet, staring blankly out of his sightless eyes. When I reached my cabin, I put a hand on the doorknob. Suddenly, I, I went cold all over. The door was unlocked. I stood still as a statue, listening. Yes, there was someone inside. Someone moving around. I only had my handbag. I had a pistol in it. I always carried it for protection. But my handbag was inside on the dresser. Slowly, slowly I pressed the door open. Half inch, an inch. And then the door creaked. Is that you, Miss Winter? The maid. It was only the maid, of course. She'd be making up the bed. Why hadn't I thought of that? Miss Winter? Is that you? Yes, it's I. What are you doing in that closet with those keys? Why, they're just my pass keys, Miss Winter. I was just going to tidy up the closet. I didn't ask you to do anything to the closet. Well, but that's part of the job, Miss Winter. I'm supposed to do that in all the rooms. Well, you leave this one alone. Keep away from that closet, do you hear? 
Yes, Miss Winter. But I was only trying to help. But I want your help. I'll ask for it. Now, please leave it at once. Just as you say, Miss Winter. I'm sorry if I did anything wrong. Did she suspect anything? I hadn't liked her tone. Why? Why had I been so sharp with her? Now she'd surely think there was something in the closet. Something she shouldn't see. At lunchtime, I didn't want to leave the cabin. I sat at the window. And I could almost feel the sightless eyes of Mr. Field staring at me through the closet door. Someone at the door. Who? Who? Just a minute. Uh, Miss Winter? Miss Carola Winter? Yes, I'm Miss Winter. I'm sorry to trouble you, Miss Winter. I'm Detective Sergeant Smith from headquarters. Uh, may I come in for a moment? Well, yes, please do. What can I do for you, Sergeant Smith? Uh, we're out here investigating this field business. He uh, hasn't turned up yet. Well, I'm sure he will in time. Well, I wish I could be so sure, Miss Winter. What do you mean? We've gone through his room. Found some mighty queer things. Queer things? Uh, it seems this Mr. Field's in some sort of racket. There's a good chance he may have been murdered. You don't say. I uh, understand you came up on the train with him. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah. Did you uh, have any conversation with him on the train? Mm, no, none at all. Uh... You're the Carola Winter who writes the mystery novels, aren't you? <laughs> the same. Yes, I've read every one of them. They're darn good, Miss Winter. Why, thank you. Uh, do you think you'll get a plot out of this? Uh, I mean, Mr. Field. Why, uh, I can't tell yet. I wish you'd keep me posted on developments in case it does turn out to have a plot. Well, I sure will, Miss Winter. Uh, by the way, we found this picture among the papers in Field's room. I'm, I'm showing it to everybody around in case they might recognize it. It's an old newspaper item, about ten years old. Can't figure out why he was carrying it around. It's about a guy named Wycliffe. It's wanted for murder in Canada. Here, take a look at it. I felt the blood racing in my veins, pounding at my wrists. The picture of the man named Wycliffe, who was wanted for murder in Canada, it was a picture of Michael Barrett. as if Michael Barrett is a lucky guy, with a beautiful woman ready to commit murder for him. Mm-hmm. But what'll he do when she runs out of victims and begins looking at him with a calculating eye? <laughs> as for Carola, she sinned heavily, because murder is the greatest sin. Yes, if you ask me, she'd better hope for a depression, then all wages will go down, including the wages of sin. <laughs> well, I... I never knew that murder and economics were related, Mr. Host. Oh, definitely, Mary. Take the high cost of living, for instance. Why, those prices are murder. <laughs> oh, yes, Mr. Host. It is difficult when the cost of living starts to climb. But then, so often, the things that really add up to good living are just simple, inexpensive pleasures. Like that piping hot cup of Lipton tea that many of us find waiting when we come down to breakfast each morning. As you read the morning paper and sip that cheery cup of Lipton's, the whole world seems brighter. It's simply wonderful the way that lively, spirited Lipton tea gets you off to a fresh start. For Lipton's brisk flavor gives you all the natural zest of tea at its best. Gives you extra delight, extra satisfaction. So remember this, folks. At breakfast time, dinner time, or any other time when you want a grand, refreshing drink, Pour yourself a cup of Lipton tea. And now, let's get back to the rock-bound coast of Skeleton Bay and see how Carola entertains the grisly guest in her closet. I don't remember now how I got rid of that Detective Smith. I, I told him I'd never seen the man in the picture and sent him away. The day was interminable. From my window, I could see the guests moving about the beach but none of them went in swimming. The weather was too rough. I wondered if Michael would be able to bring the boat over tonight. 
If not, how much longer could I sit guard over Mr. Field in the closet? Now and then, I'd see Detective Smith poking around on the beach. And then, without warning, he was standing over the very spot where Michael had stabbed Mr. Field. I watched him bend down and examine something. Was there a telltale drop of blood there? Did Smith know that was the murder spot? I saw him frown. Then he stood up, walked quickly away. I had to know what it was he'd seen there. I slipped on a coat, went out. Started toward the spot on the beach. Sorry, somewhere, oh. Miss Winter. Oh, it's you, Detective. Uh, going anywhere in particular? Uh, no, no, I... Just going up to the hotel for dinner. It's almost dinner time, you know. Oh, fine. I'll walk up with you if you don't mind. Not at all. Hey, can I help you? I'll take your arm there. <laughs> Thank you. Sandy's so soft. Yes, it's still wet. We had high tide last night. Oh, uh, um, Miss Winter. Yes? You a sound sleeper? What? Why do you ask? Well, I just thought maybe you might have heard something last night. Like a fight or something? Fight? Yes, yes. I was just looking at the sand back there, down near your cabin. It's all messed up, stamped around. What's that got to do with me? Oh, darling, oh. Except I think there was a fight there last night. Maybe that's where Mr. Field was killed. You... You think Mr. Field was murdered? It's beginning to look more and more like it, Miss Winter. Managed to get through with the dinner. I hurried back to the cabin. I stopped at the door, shocked and unbelieving. There was a light inside. Someone was in there. This time I had my handbag with me. I took the pistol out. Once more, I inched the door open. It happened. The thing I feared. The closet door was open. And there was the maid. Stooping over the body of Mr. Field. What are you doing there? The body. It's Mr. Field. You killed him. Suppose I did. What are you doing with that gun? What do you think? No! The wind was high. And the weather was rough. Unfortunately, no one heard the shot. I pushed her body into the closet next to the body of Mr. Field and closed the door. Now, now I was a murderer, too. Who is it? Let me in, Carla, quick. Yes, yes. Michael, I thought you weren't coming. It's been a terrible day. What happened? Come here, I'll show you. Is he still in there? <laughs> See for yourself. Great Scott, a woman. Who is she? The maid. She opened the closet while I was out. You killed her? Yes, Michael. I, I had to kill her. There are detectives at the hotel looking for Mr. Field. Mm. I suppose if I was smart, I'd kill you too. And there'd be no one to talk. Yes, Michael, that would be smart. Go ahead. Kill me, if you can. I knew he couldn't kill me because I'd seen it in his eyes. We were two of a kind, both wild, both reckless, both eager for the thrill of danger. He, too, wanted to be like the wind. We'd both been brought together here by some force stronger than either of us. And we loved each other. Carol, darling. Oh, now, Michael. We have work to do. Yes. I'll take them down to the boat. I'll help you. We carried Mr. Field and the maid down to the boat. Uh, I'll take them out away and dump them. And after that, Michael? After that... Then I'm going home. To your house on the cliff on the other side of the bay? Yes, Carola. Michael, take me with you. What? Take me with you to your house up there on the cliff. 
I'm sorry. I can't. You, you can't? Why can't you? There isn't anything I can tell you. What are you hiding up there in the house on the cliff? You mustn't ask. Please, Carola, you mustn't ask. Why, you're married. You have a wife up there. No. Then what? I can't tell you. But you're... You're going away. Leaving me forever. Not forever, Carola. Go back to the city. I'll come to you soon. I returned to the city and waited. I waited a week. A month. But Michael Barrett did not come. I wrote to him. But there was no answer. And then one evening, I saw him. I was returning home in a taxi and I saw him. Standing across the street looking up at my window. He saw me get out of the cab. He turned and started hurrying away. Michael! Michael! Michael, don't go away! Michael! Michael, why did you try to run away? Don't you know? You're afraid. Yeah, let's call it that. But you love me, Michael, don't you? Carola, it's no good. There's nothing but ruin for both of us if I stay. We'll be together forever. It's impossible. I won't let you go back to that house on the cliff. I don't care what it is you're hiding up there. I won't let you go back. Goodbye, Carol. Wait. I'm going. Better forget about it. Don't go yet, Mr. White. You know about that, too. I saw the old newspaper clipping Mr. Field carried. I see. Why are you looking at me like that? You know why I killed Mr. Field? Because it tried to blackmail me about that old murder. Michael, dear, I'm a good deal smarter than Mr. Field. You see, I write mystery novels. I know how to handle such things. What do you mean? Wouldn't do you any good to kill me. I've written out all about you. Your real name and about that old murder in Canada. It would be found if I should ever be killed. Oh. Michael, darling, I'm blackmailing you. There's only one thing I want from you. Your love. It shouldn't be so hard for you to meet my terms. All right, Carla. You win. We'll be married tonight. Soon after we were married, Michael began going out evenings. Once, sometimes twice a week. Staying out all night. He'd return late the next day. When I asked where he'd been, his temper would flare up into something terrible. I stopped asking, but I couldn't rest. I had to know where he went. One evening, I followed him. He boarded a train for Skeleton Bay. At Skeleton Bay, he set out to walk from the station, and I followed. It was no longer summer. Trees were bare, and the night was forbidding. I kept behind him when he skirted the bay to the narrow road that led up toward his house high on the cliff. It was a small stone house, and the wind whistled around it, against it, above it. I stole to one of the windows. It was barred, like a prison. Carefully, I raised my head above the sill, peered into a lighted room. Michael was there, with a woman. For the first time in my life, I knew the meaning of frustration, jealousy. Michael told me he wasn't married, but this woman, I'd helped him to do murder. I'd killed for him. I'd lied to that detective for him. And all the while, this was the secret he'd been keeping from me. I opened my handbag. I took out the pistol. I looked into the room again. The woman was alone now. Michael was gone. So you came <gasps> up after all, Carola. Michael, you... You sneaked out. You knew I was here. I'm sorry you saw through that window, Carola. Is that your secret? That woman? Part of it. But it's the part you mustn't know. But I do know it now. That's why I've got to kill you, Carola. That knife. You've still got that knife. Yes, Carola. But I've got this, Michael. Ah! He fell at my feet. I looked down and watched him die. Now I knew why I'd really come to Skeleton Bay that first day. It was for this. To kill Michael Barrett. 
So he's dead. At last. You've killed him. You. The woman in the house. You. You saw me kill him? Yes, I saw you. What are you going to do about it? Help you dispose of the body, of course. Help me dispose of the body. Those were the very words I'd said to Michael Barrett down there on the beach. How this woman was saying them to me. Who, who are you? I'm Elizabeth Wycliffe. I'm Michael's sister. Sister? And you want to help me dispose of his body? See the bars on those windows? Yes. I've been a prisoner in this house for ten years. You what? Michael killed the man I was going to marry ten years ago in Canada. He murdered him. But this house, this prison... Michael brought me here. He's kept me a prisoner. Because he knew if I got free, I'd tell the world he was a murderer. That's the secret. The secret he wouldn't even tell me. I shot her. Yes, I killed her too. There outside the house, and she fell beside Michael. And I rolled both bodies over the cliff, down into the sea. This is the end of my book. The best mystery novel I've ever written. I know that in writing it, I deliver myself into the hands of the law. But I can't stop. I can't help myself. So now, I'm finished. I will mail it to my publisher and wait for Detective Sergeant Smith to come and get me. It looks as if Carola's mystery novel will earn a lot of money after she's executed. Yes, but I'd say it's tainted money. Hmm? Why tainted? Because she'll be dead and a ghost can't own money. So taint hers. <laughs> the trouble with Carola was that her conscience was too little and too late. It told her not to commit murder after she'd done it. Well, that's certainly too late, Mr. Host. Oh, yes, Mary, especially for a victim. And now, what's on your mind? Well, Mr. Host, right here, I'd like to say a word to our listeners on behalf of our veterans. You know, friends, ex-servicemen are returning to civilian jobs with a lot to offer their employers. They've had valuable training and experience in highly specialized service jobs. Many of them were able to keep up with their civilian jobs and learn new trades through special correspondence courses. And they're coming home fully equipped to do the same fine job as civilians that they did in the services. So let's give them every employment opportunity to put their increased skill to work. And so, friends, we take our leave of lovely Carola Winter. She would have been better off if she'd remembered that the pen is mightier than the sword. Because the sword is leading her right back to the pen anyhow. <laughs> oh, yes, and remember, friends, when you go on a vacation, always insist on plenty of closet space. As you never know what unexpected guests might drop in or drop dead. <laughs> By the way, this month's Inner Sanctum mystery novel is Death in the Limelight by A.E. Martin. And next week, the makers of Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup will bring you another Inner Sanctum mystery directed by Hyman Brown. It's about a young chemist who discovers the secret of perpetual life. But he made the mistake of getting involved with death. <laughs> so, until next Tuesday... Good night. Pleasant dreams. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Here's a swell dish, folks. It's easy to make and mighty easy to take. Lipton's noodle soup. 
You can prepare it in a jiffy, and the whole family will love its delicious, chickeny-tasting broth, so full of tender golden noodles. Lipton's noodle soup has all the fresh-cooked, homemade flavor of grandmother's noodle soup. Yet it's economical. It costs less and makes lots more than canned soups. So get Lipton's noodle soup mix tomorrow. And don't forget to tune in next Tuesday night for another Inner Sanctum Mystery. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for Honest Harold next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Harold Perry to star in Honest Harold and a show that was first aired in 1950. The Harold Perry Show. Yeah. <laughs> and now, Harold Perry. As Honest Harold, the homemaker. Well, here we are again in the little town of Melrose Springs, home of that popular radio show for ladies, Honest Harold, the homemaker. Honest Harold is a little sad this morning, for the light of his life, the lovely Evelina, is leaving Chicago. Harold and Evelina's uncle, Doc Yancey, the veterinarian, are at the station to see her off. Well, Evelina, this is farewell. Now, Harold, it isn't that serious. Yeah, she's only going to be gone three days. (laughs) All right, Doc. Evie, I'll miss you. I'll miss you too, Harold. And I give you my word, Evelina, while you're gone, I won't even look at another girl. He. Harold, you sound like a calf with a heave. Doc, why don't you stick your head on the rail and see if the train is coming, huh? <laughs> All right. I do have sort of a trained ear. <laughs> well, that'll keep him busy for a little while. The flyer's always a half an hour late. Like I was saying, Evie, while you're away, Harold Hemp is going to be true blue. Well, good. Yes, sir. True blue. And I want you to try and have a good time in Chicago, even though I'm not there. Well, I'll try, Harold. Brave little girl. (laughs) And don't you worry about me. I'll be true blue. While you're gone, I'm going to spend all my evenings at home reading. Reading? You said it. I'm going to read that book you gave me for Christmas a few years ago. Anthony Adverse. Evie, since I'm going to be true blue, how about a little kiss? Oh, now, Harold. But give me something to remember you by. Your kiss would stay on my lips for three days with that indelible lipstick. Well. Oh, come on. All right, Harold. Train's coming, Harold. (laughs) Yeah, the train's pulling in, Harold. Yeah, I heard it, Doc. Just my luck. The first time she's been on time in two years. I'll take your bag, Jimmy. Put them on board. Yeah, good idea. Well, this is it, Evie. Don't worry about me. I'll be true blue. Goodbye, Harold. Just leave me, Evie. Don't look back. It's easier that way. Harold. Yes? Here. <laughs> <laughs> Evie, you kissed me. Come on, Evelina. Goodbye. Oh, Abby. Goodbye, Evelina. Watch out for card sharks. Yes. <laughs> Goodbye. She's gone, Doc. Gone. She's one girl in a million, Doc. And she doesn't have to worry. I'm going to be true blue. Hey, look what got off the train, Harold. Uh, that, that gal over there. Ooh, she's a looker, ain't she? I'm not interested. Well, I am. I won't hurt you to take a peek, Harold. All right, I see her. She can't tempt me just because she's got red hair, pink sweater, a lot of curves. Whoop. She winked at me. Come on, Doc. Listen <laughs> up.
morning, Station KHJP. No, Mr. Hamp hasn't come in yet. You're welcome. Good morning, Glory. Oh, good morning, Mr. Hamp. Harold. <laughs> well, Gloria, just saw Evelina off at the station. <sighs> yes, I see you did. <laughs> what? I think you look awful cute with lipstick. Uh, oh, well, it's Evelina's. I'm going to wear it for three days. <laughs> oh, it's a very becoming shade. Oh, you like it? It's Congo red. Harold, uh, I guess you'll be kind of lonesome now with Evelina away. Will I? And if you're not doing anything tonight and want to come over, well... <laughs> uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you, Gloria. Not that I don't appreciate it, but I'm going to be true blue to Evelina. Yes, indeed. Oh, I'm not even going to think about another girl. That goes for that redhead that just got off the train. Redhead? <laughs> huh? The one with green eyes, pink sweater, who winked at me. She winked at you? Harold! Gloria, let's get this thing straight. Evelina's the only girl for me. Not going to give a thought to anybody else. In fact, I'm going to stay home tonight, curl up by the fireside, and read a redhead with pink sweater. Oop! <laughs> <laughs> I mean a book. Oh, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, this is the way to spend an evening, all right. A nice Morris chair, good book. Let's see here. Anthony Adverse. Hmm, kind of thick. 1,500 pages. <laughs> Wonder if they ever condensed this for Quick Magazine. <laughs> hey, I remember Anthony Adverse. It was an old movie. Can't be too old, though. They haven't shown it on television yet. <laughs> Funny about that redhead at the station this morning. She did wink at me, I think. <laughs> I'd had a cinder in her eye if she came from Chicago, though. <laughs> Hemp, I'm ashamed of you. Thinking about another girl and you're still wearing Evelina's lipstick. Why, hello. Oh, hello, Mother. Oh, you're reading a book. Oh, a big one, too. Yeah, it's not so big. 1,500 pages, small print. <laughs> now, Harold, you're not fooling your mother. Huh? Your mind isn't really on that book. I know who you're thinking of. You do? Evelina. Oh, Evelina. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, by the way, Harold, I hear there's a new girl in town. What? Mm -hmm. Visiting her uncle, uh, Comrade Linth Linthicum. Oh? She came in on the morning train. Uh, maybe you noticed her at the station. Why should I notice her? I understand she's an awfully pretty girl. Red hair, brown eyes. Green. <laughs> Such a pretty girl Mother, I want to make one thing clear The girl means absolutely nothing to me And I have no intention of taking her out What? Please, Mother I don't see why you keep talking about that girl When all I want to do is spend a nice evening at home With this interesting book Oh, I'm sorry, Harold Now you go right ahead and read No, I won't I'm going out for a walk Good night, Mother Oh, my Harold's restless tonight Oh, I know why this is the day he changed to his woolen underwear. <laughs> well, can't stand in front of this pet shop window all night. Getting tired of watching those tropical fish swim around. Tss, guppies. Tss. Hey, that one with the bushy eyebrows looks like me. <laughs> Silly to be upset about that girl. Probably never even see her again. Well, good evening. Good evening. <laughs> uh, it's you. What? Uh, good morning. Good night. Uh, how have you been? <laughs> I'm just visiting here, and I'm sort of looking the town over tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you could tell me where I might get one of those real small-town ice cream sodas. You know, the kind that are really yummy. Yummy. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, uh, you can get one down at the drugstore. It's up this way. I mean, down that way. 
Funny I knew where it was this morning. <laughs> oh, look at those cute little fish. Yeah, guppies. Ah, uh, there's one fish chasing another one. <laughs> Probably trying to catch him for her mate. Catch him for her mate? Oop, he's the one that looks like me. <laughs> uh, see you later, miss. Oh, brother, that was close Glad I swam away in time Where am I? Oh, there's Evelina's house Wonderful old Doc Yak Yak is home I think I'll drop in and talk to him Take my mind off things The old horse doctor is probably back here in his animal shed Come in Oh, my goodness, what a menagerie. Which one is you, Doc? I'm in the clinic, Harold. The back room. Clinic? You kill me, Doc. Now, Harold, is this a professional visit? Got the distemper again? (laughs) This is a social call, Doc. Just thought I'd drop in and play a little game of authors or something. Oh, I'm sorry, Harold. I'm busy tonight. Uh Oh? I'm operating on a patient. What? There she is. That cat? Steady now, Gertrude. What are you going to do with her, Doc? Major surgery. I'm going to clip her nails. <laughs> Heaven's sake, manicuring a cat. Let's see, where did I put my surgical gown? Oh, poor little Gertrude. Now, you let old Doc know if this hurts, dear. I'll give you an anesthetic. Oh, brother. Gosh, that girl is beautiful. Yes, Gertrude is kind of pretty. Green eyes, red hair. A striped tail. A striped tail. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harold, I guess you are kind of lonesome with Evelina away. Well, it is. I uh, can fix you up with a date tonight. Slick young female I know, 25 years old, never been kissed. Who? My horse, Silver Moon. <laughs> Doc. Well, she needs the exercise, and it'll keep you out of mischief. Well, okay, Doc. Hmm. Nursemaid do a sway-back nag. <laughs> the things I do for Evelina. Well, this is kind of nice. Jogging along on a country road in the moonlight. You having a good time, Silver Moon? <laughs> well, a happy horse. <laughs> yes, sir. This is the way to avoid temptation, all right. Just ride along in the cool air, then go home and dream of Evelina. Evelina, who won't you pay a little? What's that? Huh? Car stalled up the road. No wonder it's one of Hank Dutcher's rental cars. Reconditioned Rios. <laughs> Whoa, Silver Moon. Anybody there need any help? Oh, hello. Oop, it's that pink sweater. <laughs> I'm afraid my car is stalled. Stalled? Well, I'll go right into town and send out a mechanic. Giddy up, Silver Moon. Oh, huh? Couldn't I please ride into town with you? With me? Well, I... (laughs) Stop pushing me, Silver Moon. You wouldn't leave a girl out here in the dark all by herself. Well, uh, no, I guess not. Ah, thank you. Give me your hand. Yeah, take my elbow. Ah, there. Uh. Oh, aren't you the man I saw watching the tropical fish? Yeah, I'm the one with the bushy eyebrows. (laughs) Get up, Silver Moon. Oh, Silver Moon. (laughs) My, that's a pretty name. Pretty horse. Pretty night. Pretty warm. (laughs) I'm Mary Lou Dupre. Aren't you going to introduce yourself? Oh, I'm Harold Hemp. They call me Honest Harold... I mean, uh, Honest Harold the Homemaker on the radio. (laughs) Radio? Yeah. Why, that's a coincidence. I'm in show business, too. Oh? I'm a nightclub singer in New York. What they call a chanteuse. A chanteuse? <laughs> I sing songs of love and passion. Oh, brother, get up, Silver Moon. <laughs> songs, 
things like this. I've got you under my skin. You have? <laughs> I've got you deep in the heart of me. <laughs> so deep in my heart, you're really a part of me. Have you ever read Anthony Anvers? <laughs> I've got you under my skin. Whoa, Silver Moon. <laughs> Miss Dupre? Yes? I can't fight this thing any longer. It's bigger than both of us. What kind of lipstick do you use? Why, Congo Red. Good, same kind I'm wearing. <laughs> oh, I missed your hem. I'll hate myself in the morning, but what the heck? <laughs> you mind your own business, Silver Moon. <laughs> return for the second act of our story, Honest Harold, in just a moment. But first... I've just read next Thursday's suspense script, Rave Notice, and I'm sorry to report that there's not one joke in it that I can steal. <laughs> However, it's a very fascinating and terrifying story, I promise you. And, of course, it will star America's most distinguished dramatic actor, Milton Berle. <laughs> Uncle Milty to you. Thank you. Yes, tomorrow night on radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense... Milton Berle will star in Rave Notice. Oh, brother. Suspense is heard every Thursday on most of these same CBS stations. Don't miss Milton Berle on Suspense at CBS The Star's address tomorrow night. Oh, by the way, listen for Harold Perry's important announcement at the end of our show. And now, back to Honest Harold, the homemaker. It's the morning after for Honest Harold. Last night, his accidental meeting with the attractive Mary Lou turned into a romantic interlude. And now, in the cold light of day, Harold is filled with remorse. I sure am. I'm a cad. For he lost his head and kissed the charming chanteuse. Well, just once. But I shouldn't have done it. No willpower. Aren't you ashamed, Harold? Yes. What? Oh. Will you ever forgive me, Evelina? Well, right now, Honest Harold is entering the radio station with a heavy tread and a guilty heart. Harold Hemp, you're a bounder. And you wanted to run for mayor. Good morning, Harold. Oh, good morning, Gloria. Gosh, you look a little peaked this morning. Hmm? You shouldn't have stayed up so late last night. What? Reading that book, Anthony Adverse. Oh, <laughs> Did he kiss the girl yet? Yeah, he sure did. <laughs> I think it's noble the way you're staying home at night while Evelina's gone. What a sneaky thing I did. And oh, how sweet and sentimental. Huh? You're still wearing Evelina's lipstick, Congo Red. Yeah, I got a fresh coat last night. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, Gloria. Well, at least nobody knows about it yet. Why did I ever say... Hemp? <laughs> Get that dazed look off your face. Remember me, I'm the station manager. Oh, good morning, station... And Stanley? <laughs> Come into my office, Hemp. Yes, sir. But he's found out about it. And he likes Evelina, too. Hemp, I want to talk to you. I deny everything. What? Anyway, I only kissed her once. Hemp, what are you You'd saying? You'd have done the same thing, Stanley. A lonely road, silver moon, her perfume. I didn't know what I was doing. I'm only human, Stanley. Hemp. Stop tugging at my lapels. I don't know what you're talking about. You don't? Isn't that what you wanted to see me about? I called you in to talk to you about your monthly office report. Oh, the office report. Yes. <laughs> you single-spaced it again. You know it should be double-spaced. Oh, I'll, <laughs> I'll double-space it, Stanley. I'll triple-space it. Anything you say, Stanley, you're wonderful. So understanding, the nicest boss a fool ever had. Mm. Harold. Ooh, mistake. <laughs> Sorry, Stanley. But say, you look cute with that Cupid's bow on your cheek. It's Congo Red. <laughs> wow. I thought Stanley knew something there for a minute. 
feelings are guilty about. Just one little kiss. Didn't mean a thing to either one of us. Hi, boy. Oh, Pete, the town marshal. What are you doing, Pete? Writing out a parking ticket for this bicycle. Too close to the fire plug. Oh, for heaven's sake. You been buggy riding lately, boy? (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean, Pete? Yeah, just a minute, Harold. I got to fill out this ticket. Make of bicycle, Sears, Roebuck, Atomic, Flyer. Pete, did you see me last night? I sure did, boy. I was out looking for chicken thieves. That was a cute little Rhode Island red you had. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a smoocher, aren't you, boy? (laughs) Look here, Pete. Don't you try to make a big thing out of this. Just one harmless little kiss. Didn't mean a thing to me. In fact, I'm never going to see that girl again. I'm through with her. Yeah, but is she through with you? Huh? If you ask me, you're in trouble, boy. Trouble? What do you mean? Just a minute, Harold. Yeah. Distance of vehicle from fire plug, four feet. Pete! Is it five feet? Pete, I want to talk to you. I will split the difference, call it four and a half. Pete, what did you mean? Is she through with me? Earl heard about a case like yours just the other day. Fella kissed a girl, thought he was through with her. What did she do? Shot him in the stomach. (laughs) Shot him because she loved him. But Pete... Shot him because she loved him. Stop saying that. Pete, you don't think this girl will shoot me? Hey, just a minute, Harold. I've got to finish this ticket. Attitude of driver. Now, that's a tough one. Pete, listen to me. Oh, sure, the whole thing is a mistake, Carol. Mistake? You mean about the girl shooting the fella? No, the joke's on me. <laughs> Making out a ticket for my own bicycle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> Yes, Mother, I want to finish the book. That's nice. I'll leave you alone so I won't disturb your concentration. Thank you, Mother. Yeah, that Marshal, he spoiled my whole day. Mary Lou wouldn't shoot me. This is silly. She couldn't fall in love with me over one little kiss. Of course, I am rather attractive. (laughs) I was wearing my new shaving lotion last night. doesn't Harold get here? I can't live another moment without him. Oh, there he is. Harold! Hello. <laughs> Come in. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Let me close the door. I'll just tell her that kiss meant nothing to me. She won't care. She locked the door. <laughs> She's hiding the key. Oop. Harold? Sit down. Huh? No. Here on the floor. What? On this tiger skin. Oh. <laughs> Didn't see him. Hello, <laughs> little tiger. <laughs> Mind if I sit on you? Uh, uh, uh. Oop, big molars. <laughs> <sighs> now, isn't this cozy? Yeah, where'd you get this little old tiger? I shot him. (laughs) (laughs) Got bushy eyebrows, too. Mary Lou, I wanted to tell you something. Harold. Ah? I can't forget last night. The moonlight. You and I sitting close in the buggy. That strange fragrance in the air. Oh, that was my shaving lotion. (laughs) Lumber yardly. Your kiss in the dark. Oh, it still lingers on my lips. Indelible lipstick. I'll never forget it as long as I live. You won't? I mean, you won't? And now that I've found you at last, my own true love, I'll never let you go. But... And if you should ever try to leave me, do you know what I'd do? I'd shoot you. (laughs) (laughs) But you would never leave me, would you, Harold? Oh, no. Why would I want to leave you, Evelina? Evelina? Hmm? Then there is another woman. Uh, You've been deceiving me. And you call yourself Honest Harold. The homemaker. (laughs) It was just one kiss. Mary Lou, what are you reaching in your purse for? Is that a gun? 
I'm going to shoot you with this mouther, you rat. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a minute. That thing's pointing right at me. Mary Lou. Mary Lou. Harold. Harold, what are you doing on the floor? Where's that tiger? (laughs) Mary Lou, put away that mouser. What? Oh, hello, Mother. Help me up. Oh, you must have dozed off, Harold. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have some wonderful news for you. Huh? Uh, Dr. Yancey just called. Evelina's coming back sooner than she thought. She is? When? On the 820 tonight. Isn't that wonderful? Oh, you said it. Oh, you better hurry if you're going to meet her. Uh, but, oh, my, but you're pale, Harold. Yeah. Hope you're not catching another cold. Mm-hmm. Maybe the doctor ought to give you a shot. If Mary Lou doesn't do it first. <laughs> Now, who's that? Hello. This is Mary Lou. Is that you, Harold? Oop, Mary Lou. Harold? This is Harold's mother speaking. <laughs> Harold is near. He's gone to Timbuktu. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, Harold. You're always joking. <laughs> That's what you think. Goodbye, Mother. <laughs> train isn't in yet. Well, only honest thing to do is to tell Evelina the whole story. At least if Mary Lou shoots me, I'll die with a clear... Harold! Oop, Mary Lou, she followed me down here. Harold, I want to talk to you. This is it. I'm glad I wore my new herringbone. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here. I wanted to tell you goodbye. Goodbye? My agent phoned me from New York. He has a job for me there, and I'm leaving on the next train. You are? Harold, I I wanted to clear up one thing before I go. That little kiss in the buggy last night. I hope you didn't take it seriously. No. Good. Oh, you're very sweet, Harold. But I couldn't fall in love with you in a million years. You couldn't? Thank you. That's the nicest thing any girl ever said to me. <laughs> what? Oh, there's my train. Goodbye, Harold. Uh, goodbye, Mary Lou. Uh, nicest shampoos I've ever met. Oh, there's Evelina getting off now. Evelina! Yoo-hoo! Evelina! You didn't have to come down to meet me. Oh, glad to do it. Gosh, it's nice to see you again. Oh, it's nice to see you. Uh, oh, there you are, Evelina. Peabody, what's he doing down here? Hello, Stanley. I'm glad you're here, Hemp. What? Evelina, I think there's something you want to know about Honest Harold. While your back was turned, he went buggy riding with another girl. Oop. And that isn't all. He kissed her. But there she is, just getting on the train. That pretty girl? Is that true, Harold? Um, yes, it is. Oh, that's wonderful. Huh? Oh, how intriguing. I didn't realize you had that much charm and dash. Uh. Oh. But Evelina. Stanley, it looks like you've been getting a little romantic yourself. Isn't that lipstick on your cheek? Oh, that's mine. What? <laughs> and I'm about ready for another coat. Pucker up, Evelina. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You have just heard the Harold Perry Show, Honest Harold, who returns in just a moment with an important announcement. The supporting players tonight included Mary Jane Croft, Catherine Card, Viola Vaughn, Ken Peters, and Polly Bear, and featured Gloria Holiday as Gloria and Joseph Kearns as old Doc Yak Yak. Norman MacDonald directed, and the music was composed and conducted by Jack Meekin. Honest Harold, created by Harold Perry, was written by Gene Stone, Jack Robinson, and Dick Powell. Now back to Harold Perry for his important announcement. Oh, yeah, that's me, isn't it? (laughs) Now, just what was that message, Harold? Well, Bob, we talked about it last week, but for the people who missed it, I'm hunting for a laughing lady, someone we can invite to appear on our show. And all the gal has to do is just laugh? That's right. (laughs) Her laugh will enter in the Honest Harold Laugh Contest, and it begins right in her hometown. So, ladies, if the laugh contest is being conducted in your city, please enter, and you may be here with us some Wednesday night. Say, that sounds like fun. Oh, it is, Bob. Come on, girls. Let's all laugh. (laughs) Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Let George Do It, followed by The Jack Benny Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Zneimer. 
I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.